Welcome to episode 195 of the Various and Sundry Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from our virtual studio on the internet by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who is not attending the Gospel Coalition Conference this year, John Scott Sloat. Doc, what's happening? Well, this is a bit of a role reversal here, since uh, usually it's you being the one on the road and me being back in uh, Winona Lake. Uh, now the roles have uh, have flipped here, and so I am on the road, and you are uh, in your office there on the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary. Yeah, yeah. How does it feel to be on the road? Is this uh, is this part of your future? You could see yourself doing the traveling speaking gig, like uh, it's not all it's cracked up to be. Um, you know, I don't, I don't mind traveling, but I also don't like, uh, for this kind of thing. Like I love traveling for, you know, seeing the world and that sure. kind of thing. But in terms of the whole conference circuit, uh, this is not something I'm pining to be, uh, hitting regularly. So, I mean, normally, normally I, I go to two conferences a year, either gospel coalition and what used to be together for the gospel. Uh, and then the, Evangelical Theological Society Conference. So, and the Society for Biblical Literature. Don't don't forget. Yeah, though that's the same place, just right after it. So yeah. Um. um so yeah. Um. Let's. Uh, are you feeling FOMO? Um. Because I mean, there are some grace people down here, and and normally, I mean, in the past, you've even led a cohort of grace students down here. Yeah, I is there a cohort of grace students down there this year? Uh there there are there are scattered ones, no cohort. I wouldn't call it a cohort. Okay. I I saw some friends that will be there this week. I saw them last week. Uh like I know one of uh, my favorite churches will be down there in force in mass uh this week, but uh so I saw them. So I got that sort of relational connection last week. I'm I'm not feeling too much FOMO. Um you know, anything of any value is anything that's really big news, not of value, of big, of big note is <laughs> going to be on Twitter, blog posts and podcasts later on. So I see it, it's a matter of patience at this point. Yeah, I mean, uh, so clearly you just identified yourself as a full fledged millennial there by saying <laughs> anything significant happening in the world is, is going to be <laughs> accessible via social media. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I like to think it's patience, you know, that that I'm willing to wait for it rather than, you know, needing to be on the ground for it. But mm, uh, I see, I see. Anyway, uh, if you'd like to contact the show, you can find us on Twitter at the NS Pod. You can email the show various and sundry podcast at gmail dot com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on YouTube. And we would love for you to leave a review and a five-star rating. Uh, let's jump right into the sports here, John. A lot going on this weekend. Um, how about we actually start with the NFL and get that out of the way? Okay, that sounds good. Uh, so uh, this is your your therapy moment to kind of you know have your catharsis about your Jets. Uh, they lost, what was it, 15-10 to the Patriots? Yeah, that sounds right, 15-10. And um, and Zach Wilson is still terrible. Well, yes, yes. And 
everybody keeps going, well, this is the defense's fault, zero sacks. You know, the defense is not living up to its expectation for sure. Uh, but this is still, you know, uh, 120 yards of offense. They're putting nine or 10 in the box and saying, daring us to throw the ball. Yeah. And we're not doing it. Uh, so I think Zach Wilson had 140 yards passing. There was one play with a beautiful pocket for him to pass in. And he got so alarmed that, that people were within five feet of him that he just <laughs> fell to the ground. Did you see this video on Twitter? No, I, didn't. I didn't. Oh, my goodness. I'll send it to you later. Uh, it's It was a disaster. Um, it's time to cut bait with him. Like, th- this is not a developmental project anymore. This is uh, – he, he needs to be uh, sent back to Utah and, uh, <laughs> you know, forced to marry four women or whatever they do out there. Wow. I, I was going to suggest maybe going on a Mormon mission. Mormon mission, yes. I'm sure he skipped that, but <laughs> – but yeah, yeah, it was it was not not good. Um, so I think it's time to just cut bait, say, see you later, because I, 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 it's just not working out. I, I'd prefer to see Tim Boyle. I'd prefer to see Carson Wentz um, and Matt Ryan. Carson and, Wentz, wow. Any of those guys. Those, Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz are the two names that I keep hearing. Matt Boyle, I think it's Matt Boyle. Tim Boyle is our third string guy. Um, I'd rather see him. So, yeah, okay, it's... Yeah. If if you don't have any threat of any of any sort of passing game, you just it's just not going to work. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, uh, I, the other thing that caught my attention, though, uh, let me back to the Jets just for a minute. I mean, uh, the Jets they only did give up thirteen offensive points. I mean, two of those points were a safety, a safety. Yes. So I mean. In the NFL, if you only give up 13 points in a game, you're going to win most of those you games. Should, you should expect yeah. to win that. Yep. Um, so, yeah. Um, and then the other news coming out of that game was that uh, uh, Mac Jones uh, punched Sauce Gardner in a sensitive area. Okay. Well, I saw there was a, like a, a little bit of a scrum there. Like there was an offensive, li- was there, uh, sorry, defensive lineman that like threw him to the ground. Yeah, that was our line linebacker CJ Mosley through okay. Mac, and that was right after that moment. Okay, and then Sauce Gardner got up and started uh, and like pushed him to the ground. So that was in response to Mac Jones taking a cheap shot. Yes, okay. because because he is a patriot um, okay. and right. uh, you know represents scum. <laughs> okay. <So. laughs> All right. Um, on the opposite end of uh, offensive struggles, we had the. Miami Dolphins. Yeah, yeah, scoring 70 on uh the Broncos. Yes. Uh which the Broncos are now 0 and 3. They're terrible. Uh with with Sean Payton who doesn't look himself. Have you seen a photo of Sean Payton recently? No. Um he he looks like he just stumbled off a party bus. Um <laughs> uh and decided to coach a football team and it 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 is not going well. Uh, yeah. There. Yeah. Uh, yeah. First time that an NFL team has scored uh, 70 points in a game since the 60s. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that that's ridiculous. Um, but uh, uh, also, uh, speaking of teams that struggle, uh, the Chicago Bears are, are terrible. And um, now they did play uh, one of the best teams in the NFL. Yeah, but they're still terrible. Um, they played bad, though. Yeah, and uh, 
I think there's plenty of blame to go around, but Justin Fields was terrible. And um, I think the Bears have ruined him. I, I He needs to get out of there, get to a new system, new coach, yep. new scenario. Uh, they they broke him. Um, they've made him worse. Between he's had some good flashes. He had some good flashes yesterday. He had a he had a long pass down the sideline that was just dropped. It was on the money, you know. So every now and then he puts he puts a good throw out there. He, so it he, shows he, he has talent. He's got the talent. Um, they've just ruined him. Uh, so, uh, and then uh, C.J. Stroud actually looking very good for the Texans. Yeah, um, yeah. They got they got their first win of the season, and through three games, he has not thrown an interception. That's pretty impressive for a rookie quarterback. Not yeah. to inter- and he's it's not like he's like throwing for 125 yards. Like he's throwing for 250, 275 a game and uh not throwing picks. Well, he's better than Zach Wilson. Um oh yeah, yeah, by far. Uh probably the biggest news from the NFL Sunday uh was that Taylor <laughs> Swift was an arrowhead stadium to watch her. I don't know if I'm willing to say boyfriend yet, but 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 romantic friend travis kelsey yes uh, uh play football yes so, uh, that that's been fascinating and it feels like he's popping up in more and more commercials now yeah man i'm excited for the song arrowhead you know that she's gonna write <laughs> when it all goes south that's right oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> oh yes the the whole merging of the pop culture world and the nfl um Wait, Adam Sheffer's reporting on Taylor Swift. Uh, it was, it was an interesting Sunday afternoon. That that's for sure. Yeah, I'm actually glad I wasn't around to watch the to to watch the game because I think I would have been sickened by the 432 cutaways to Taylor Swift sitting next to Travis Kelsey's mom up in the uh, skybox there. It didn't seem like it was a the family was up there. It seemed like a bunch of her friends were up there. But, but but his mom was there, I think, right? Was she? I I believe so. I did not look into it that deeply, uh, but I it was definitely the the Dolphins scoring seventy points was a big deal. But it, other than that, it may have been the biggest storyline from the NFL week. I'm sure. I'm sure. Not right. not for me personally. I'm talking <laughs> out there in the world. It was the one of the most talked about things. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, let's get to the really interesting stuff. Um, Big weekend of college football. Yeah. And um, obviously the game of the weekend was, in fact, Ohio State uh, going into South Bend and winning in dramatic, dramatic fashion over Notre Dame uh, 17-14. Scoring uh, initially looked like literally on the last play of the game as time expired. They reviewed it and discovered there was one second left so that Ohio State still had to kick the ball off. But um, but yes, um, did you catch any of this game? No, 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 no. I was in bed. I mean, it did start at 7.30. I mean, you could have caught the first half. I could have caught the first quarter. That's true. I did not. Um, yeah, the first half was was a bit of a defensive slugfest. It was 3 nothing at the half, Ohio State. Uh, both teams got stopped on downs inside the 10-yard line. Uh, or not inside the tent, but it basically had red zone opportunities, didn't score. Um, and uh, so, yeah, uh, second half, um, this uh, this looked like two, two very good teams just slugging it out. Um, 
So I, it's a, it's a great win for Ohio state. Um, I made the mistake. Twitter's just toxic. I mean, Twitter's toxic all the way around. Uh, but college football Twitter is just unhinged toxic. Um, but uh, did, did you see, oh, I forgot to send you the clip. I was going to send you the clip and I forgot. So after the game, they interviewed Ryan Day. You know how, you know, immediate interview on the field, right? And um, Ryan Day, the coach of Ohio State, went off on Lou Holtz. So Lou Holtz, legendary Notre Dame football coach. He's like 86 now. Um, I think Thursday made, made comments about how Notre Dame was going to win because Ohio State's soft and they don't, you know, they're not tough enough and that sort of thing. So after Ohio State won the game, on the field, the, the, uh, the on-field reporter asked Ryan Day, you know, basically – what 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 was it that made the difference that enabled you guys to pull it out? And and he goes on this epic rant, uh, where he's like basically shouting at the reporter about toughness and about how you know Ohio State's proven they're tough. And he like he says something like toughness, and he says, "I want to know where Lou Holtz is." <laughs> <laughs> it's like like almost like he's like. I want to go talk to him face to face. Like <laughs> it was the strangest thing. Um, and then he repeated those comments in the post game press conference. Like he was still worked up about it. Um, so it's just a fascinating dynamic uh, there. But um, the best part of that is that he calls out Lou Holtz by name. Oh um, yeah, for sure. Did he do it in sure. the post game presser as well? Yes. Called out yes. Lou Holtz by name. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Um, I once ran into Lou Holtz at a Jimmy John's <laughs> in South Bend. Um, he made no comments about Ohio State at the time, but yeah. Well, I mean, you know, so people are like, "Yeah, real classy going after an eighty-six-year-old guy," and it's like, "Well, he you know, started it. That's yeah. right." <laughs> like, yeah. And then I saw someone else point out, like, "Well, I mean, basically, he's the same age as our president, and he's not off limits." So you know. Mm. <laughs> But uh, yeah, very good win for Ohio State. I think Kyle McCord, their their first year starting quarterback, he led the game winning drive down four with a minute 26 left, drove them 65 yards to get the touchdown with some crucial, crucial throws uh, that got them in position. So, um, you know, I think Ohio State still has some flaws, but there there are no great teams this year in college football. Every team has weaknesses and flaws. Um, and so it could be a very wide open year. Um, what uh, can I ask you about another team that seems to have fallen from grace a bit? Sure. Well, what's going on with Clemson? Uh, they, they were they were ranked to start the year, I believe, but I believe they've yeah. lost two of their first three. Uh, two of four now. Yeah, two, two of four. four. They lost to Florida State in overtime. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think. Part of what's interesting is that some people are framing it as um, they they are adamant about not going into the transfer portal and improving their team. Like they've mm -hmm. take, taken like a principled stand on that. And people are saying, well, you know, that's dumb in today's college football world. Um, and so some people are pointing to that. Um, I don't know. 
I, I think um I think that they have had some recruiting misses and um, you know, their quarterback is okay this year, not great. And after they've, you know, they had Deshaun Watson, then they had Trevor Lawrence. I mean, and now the guys that they've had since then have been a pretty significant step down and that makes a difference. Um, also in the college football world. Uh, and uh, this is, Brought up because you want to track this. I mean, I do want to track this. Yeah. Yeah. Oregon absolutely curb stomped uh, Colorado. Yeah. Uh, I think the final was 42 6, but it was, um, I think it was 35 nothing at the half. Like just an absolute shellacking. So I did see, I did see a tweet um, that in 24 hours, the state of Colorado lost football games by like, you know, you know, like 135 points or something like that, like <laughs> yeah. b- between the Broncos and Colorado. Yeah. Um, they just got shellacked. Yeah. So, I mean, at, did you see any of the Oregon coaches comments? I did not. No. Okay. So uh, they played this before the game. So they, they had, he allowed cameras into his locker room before the game for his pregame speech. And he was basically like going off uh, in terms of, you know, uh, they play for, they're, they're playing for clicks. We're playing for wins, you know, but this game isn't played in Hollywood. It's played on grass, you know, like, like basically taking direct shots at all of the hype surrounding Colorado and Dion. Um, and then they went out and absolutely just annihilated them. Uh, so, just an interesting dynamic you know i i think colorado was obviously exposed like they're 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 much better than people thought they were going to be but you know all the hype from the first three games was kind of put in its proper perspective playing a legit top 10 team and you know oregon just taking it to them Mm -hmm. or even a historic program like oregon versus what feels like a startup for colorado right now yeah, I mean, Colorado was relevant in like the 90s. Yeah. Um, but hasn't been relevant since. So, mm-hmm. you know, props to to Dion for making them relevant again and getting good players and, and turning it around on the field. Like, they're a legit, solid football team. But, you know, the the hype, I think, is what uh, annoys me, to be honest. I, you, you know me, John. I am not a hype person. Like, give me substance. Give me, yeah. you know. So it was the hype stuff that was annoying me in the whole conversation, but worth tracking though, worth continuing to watch that Colorado saga. Yeah. Well, and it's predictable. Okay. It's, it's predictable in so many ways. I mean, the media loves to build something up and then tear it down. That's often how our media works. Mm -hmm. Um, But you've got so many dynamics here, uh, both in the college football world. And then you've got, you know, Deion Sanders, who is a, an outspoken Christian of some kind, we can put it that way. Is that fair? Yeah, I yes, of some, I appreciate the of some kind. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's a big like T.D. Jakes guy. Uh-huh. So, you know, some borderline prosperity gospel-ish kind of talk, you know, anyway. And then you've got, of course, people, you know, trying to pursue the race angle in all this. You know, people hate Dion because he's black. Well, 
you know, some of the just dumb, simplistic, you know, hot takes out there. Sure. The the real winners in the Deion Sanders bit, and in, in, in my perspective, is the administration of Colorado. Oh, yeah. Them. Oh, like, they're making serious money. Which, which of- is why I saw buzz this week about NFL owners, owners, not general managers, wanting to bring Deion Sanders on as a coach to the NFL. Wanting Deion Sanders to be the head coach of an NFL team. But I don't think it would work the same way in the NFL as it works in college. Nope, I don't think so. Um, I I certainly don't think it leads to long-term success as a uh, football team. No, no. Anyway, we better move on. You ready? Sure. All right. We are continuing today our series uh, based out of 2 Peter. um, And the series of character qualities that uh, we are supposed to add on to our uh, to our faith. And so um, today we come to virtue. And nope. so, no, sorry, you're, I, I, missed, I, I misspoke. Knowledge, knowledge. There we go. I, there we go. Yes. Um, trying to do too many things at once. I was trying to pull up the text so we could read it. Do you have it handy? I, I have it up on my screen here. Yeah. Okay. So why don't you just go ahead and read the key verses there just so we're back up to speed about what we're talking about here yeah you want me to start at where three or you think just five uh, yeah five five through uh eight would be good okay uh for this very reason make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfast steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, uh, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. So we're talking about knowledge today. Um, and so when, when you think of that term in this context, John, what um, what is it that comes to mind? What do you think Peter is talking about here? So, I mean, I mean, what comes to my mind um, is certainly things like facts, uh, things like uh, uh, like like uh, solid truths, uh, right? Mm-hmm. That are that are real, but not just that. Um, I think I think adding to that, like a personal knowledge. So, so knowledge of the person of Jesus Christ. Um, mm-hmm. So, I think that. I think the last, I think verse eight helps explain uh, this a little bit more because I think I believe that's the same word used there, uh, knowledge of Jesus Christ in verse eight uh, that's used in verse five, at the end of verse five here. So that'd be that'd be my uh, two cents um, as uh, as I'm walking through this. Yes, we need to know things. Yes, we need to know. Uh, yes, adding uh, knowledge of history, philosophy, sciences. You know, all, all those things are certainly in view. But what sits uh, uh, as priority over those is a personal knowledge of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think we—it's um, easy for us, I think, in our contemporary experience to um, to separate those two things out. Yeah. Uh, whereas biblically, I think they're they're a little bit more um, integrated. Mm-hmm. In terms of how the biblical authors think about the idea of knowledge, um, because ultimately, 
uh, you know, even this is this is connected with the with the Hebrew word um, for hear, which can also be translated obey, uh, with the sense of basically you only you only truly hear something when you respond to it appropriately is the idea. Hmm. Um, and I think uh, when it comes to knowledge, those two integrated senses of uh, information, of course, is uh, essential, foundational, um, but it's intended to produce relationship with God, that, that God reveals himself not merely to give us um, the correct intellectual information about the world or about himself. He's not content with just Oh, good. You have the, all the facts about me. That that's what I wanted. Yeah. Um, it's I, I reveal myself so that you will know me personally, and it's that sort of combined notions of information plus relationship that comes together in that in that idea. I think of of knowledge. Um, what do you make of? the listing here maybe this is an interesting thing to talk about um what do you make of virtue coming first and then knowledge coming second and then self-control coming third is that a priority list or are these things supposed to be growing all together like how, how do you view that and think about that interpretive decisions here yeah i think um i mean scholars have have debated for a while in terms of is there a an intentional sequencing of these qualities. And I don't think there is necessarily a, a profound reason why they're in this order, other than to say that, um, that it begins with faith and culminates in love. Hmm. I, I think those, those things are intentional. Everything in between, I'm not quite willing to see it as strictly a um a logical sequence but at the same time um you know if you if you start with the idea of if you think of virtue or excellence as um encompassing the totality of a person's life uh that 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 almost speaks towards like an orientation of life hmm. and then um knowledge perhaps then would come along and help steer that properly uh both um both at the intellectual level and the relational level that um it's only in knowing christ uh that those things uh find their truest form hmm and so you would see the, you know, supplement your faith with virtue and then essentially supplement your virtue with knowledge as as mm -hmm. a rhetorical device, basically, that, that Peter's yeah. using here. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, you know, it's it, it's one of those things where, um, you know, knowledge, uh, and, and this is honestly where, um, you know, seminaries have gotten a bad rap, uh, that, that seminaries can focus on head knowledge so much that um, that the sort of relational dynamic gets lost in that. And that's certainly a danger when you pursue theological education that you can get so enamored in the, um, you know, the discussions of 
specific theological nuances or the interpretation of a text and and those kinds of things that you lose the um the relational dynamic of it's important to talk about this and to try to understand it so i can know god better yeah uh, not just so i can win arguments and um you know impress people with my own knowledge base now i I've heard a number of a number of guys, well-meaning, well-intentioned individuals talk about like, well, how do you guard against that reality? Well, you, you know, you you uh, you, you separate your time. You have your your personal spiritual time, and you have your academic spiritual time. Um, I don't necessarily ascribe to that. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm interested to know where you're you're at on that. I would certainly be for personal devotion to scripture. Like, I'm, don't don't hear me say otherwise, but. Yeah. Um, I, I think that sort of separation of the two is uh, not as helpful and really just changing a mindset of being like, actually, this is all worship. This is all about getting to know God better uh, yeah. and, and, and fusing him into your life. Um, yeah, that would be much more my take. Do you, do you take a similar approach to that? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think one of the one of the reasons that uh that that sort of stereotype exists within seminaries is quite frankly that sometimes that happens uh in terms of seminary professors have not always been the best and this is true in my experience uh some were really good at this of connecting whatever it is we were talking about to the relational dynamic of knowing god knowing christ and and others were not as adept at making those connections. Yeah. And, and so I think a lot hangs on the seminary professor to, and this is true in the church as well. I mean, it's, it's not just a seminary thing. You can get pastors who are uh, really into the sort of into theology and these sorts of things. And so they, their sermons are heavy on the sort of data information dump or their Sunday school classes. And, you know, people can lose sight of, so how does this help me know God better? And so we need to do a better job, I think, as seminary faculty uh, across the board. You know, I'm, I'm speaking very generically, not specific to our you know, institution, but, um, but just helping students to see that connection between whatever knowledge you're giving them, whether it's a theology discussion or... The interpretation of a passage or things like that uh, to how does this help me know God better and love him uh, more fully by understanding this? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, when you think about it, um, you know, even in the context of marriage, um, the longer you're married, the more you continue to learn about your spouse and, and not just in a sort of like fact level of like, oh, you know, they, their favorite color is red or, you know, they don't like tacos or, you know, like just sort of basic. I know, I know who doesn't like tacos. Who doesn't but, like tacos? Yeah. <laughs> red but, flag. I know. Uh, so, but, you know, I, even I've been married 27 plus years now. And there are still times where um, I'll sort of learn something about my wife that either surprises me or that I didn't fully realize. And so um, 
how much more with with a being like God who is infinite and eternal and beyond us, how much more is there to learn about God in the relational dy dynamic as well as the sort of yeah. just straight up information aspect of things, you know? Uh, so, Doc, um, what are what are some ways we can pursue this knowledge? What are some ways that we can we can go after this? What comes to mind for you? Well, I mean, um, we have never lived. Uh, there's never been a time in the history of the of the world where it's been easier to access good, faithful biblical teaching. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's just. It, it's there's an embarrassment of resources out there now the flip side of that is that there's also a lot of junk so <laughs> yet you have to sort through <laughs> um you know you have to be discerning yeah but um i think one one way obviously reading is an important uh discipline to be uh to be cultivating reading good books but um, you know, involvement in the local church and being in a context where you're learning together with other believers, whether that's in like a Sunday school context or a small group context, um, or even just sitting in the sermon together and then discussing it, um, I think those those are crucial environments. I think where we can get into trouble is when we isolate ourselves and just think, oh, this is just a very individualistic sort of thing to pursue knowledge. I just read and then I think about it and then that's it. Um, you know, reading in, and, or even just reading, reading a book with a friend or discussing an article together or listening to a podcast and then discussing it with someone, I think uh, brings out a dynamic because people experience um that sort of content differently and we'll latch on to different things. I mean, you know, I've both seen this where we, um, where we take students, for example, in the past, when we've taken students to a conference like this, to, to the gospel coalition. And then afterwards we'll talk with them about whatever the keynote message was for that, for that night. And then we all heard the same message, the, the same 45 to 60 minute message. And yet different students will pull out different, aspects of it and say well that really that really challenged me or that really convicted me yeah and that sort of uh relational dynamic that sort of community dynamic i think only reinforces things for other people and maybe brings things out that like oh i didn't really catch that but that is really helpful that kind of oh, thing yeah. hmm. for sure um i also think an attitudinal change around uh learning as well that this isn't a this isn't going to kill your spiritual life you know this yeah. is uh you know changing the attitude as as a way as this is a way to grow and enhance your spiritual yeah. life yeah. um as as you know commanded by peter here um in god's word is uh as a as a would be would be a helpful piece as well yeah i think so i think that um there just there needs to be an intentionality especially uh for some people who are not wired that way by nature um it might take more intentionality than for others i mean uh I, I, just to be fully honest here um i get nervous when i hear people who are leaders in ministry who are like yeah i'm not much of a reader 
I really don't read. That that to me is a monstrously large red flag. Yeah. Because I want to know, like, okay, so how are you growing? Like, and, and maybe they're like, well, I listen to these podcasts that are, so, okay, so it's the reading part of it that you're not as good. But, you know, you're listening to good podcasts that stretch you, like, okay. But, you know, a ministry leader who is not reading at some level and stretching themselves and growing, um, it's hard for me to see how they're not uh, um, cutting themselves off from necessary uh, streams of growth in their life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think about um, even secular people who are the most influential uh tend to talk about how much they read, you know, t- tend to talk about how much they absorb, tend to talk about how much, how curious they are and how much they're trying to learn. You know, I, I don't run across, I run across very few people that are like, yeah, I'm a, you know, I, I lead this organization and I read like, you know, an article a year or something like that. Like, I just don't run into those people. Um, And so reading certainly a way to, to better your spiritual life, but it's also just a, a way to to enhance your the you know your your whole life uh, as well. Yeah, but and, and even back to the motivation piece, um, you know, it, especially in the relational context, um, if if you really want to love God well, then it makes sense you want to know Him as well as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean that's that's true in that's true in relational contexts. You know, if you think about marriage, like if you want to love your spouse well, you want to pay attention and learn them and 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 learn how to love them well. And I think how much more than on the spiritual dynamic of wanting to love God well, then you're, you know, it'd be good for you to pursue knowing him more deeply to love him more faithfully. Hmm. All right, John, we should probably move on. Sounds good. All right, time for This Day in Sports History. All right, This Day in Sports History, uh, September 26th, uh, 2023, September 26th. Uh, In 1908, the Chicago Cubs, uh, Ed Rulbach becomes the only pitcher to throw a doubleheader shutout, winning 3-0 and 5-0 over the, uh, is that Superbats? I think, uh, well... Uh, or superbas superbas uh at washington park in brooklyn new york i i assume that was a misspelling um i it's literally copy and paste from the from the site i use so i okay wow okay 1978 uh new york district court judge uh constant baker motley uh that's quite the name uh by the way constance baker my, my guess is, is that she married and took the last name. So maybe Baker was her maiden name. Sure, sure. I'd assume the same thing, but that's quite the name. It um, is. Rules that women sports writers uh, cannot be banned from, I assume, male locker rooms. Yeah. Something that we've just grown accustomed to right now, right? I mean, I think, oh, I, yeah. think I think the guys are like, all right, the press is coming in, cover up. You know, yeah. um, that's my understanding of what happens in those locker rooms now. Um, and it's not a big deal no. anymore, but I'm sure in uh, 1978, that was a big deal. Yes. Uh, all right. Uh, 1983, 
Matt, could you move your cursor off uh, that? I can't quite uh, read that word. There we go. Um, there we go. Uh, <laughs> not that I can pronounce it anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ali Haji Shake. I don't know. I'm guessing that's just shake or chic. Probably shake. Okay. Uh, kicks a 56-yard field goal uh, for the New York Giants record. Yes. It feels like, like, I don't know. Did you watch the Colts game yesterday? Uh, I caught very limited bits and pieces. So the kicker kicked like four field goals over 50 yards to win the game. Yeah, I saw that stat. Um, like, it feels like over 50 is like a requirement now. Yeah, I mean, it used to be like anything under 45, you thought this is automatic, basically. Yeah. And now it's like, I mean, the expectation is pretty much anything under 55, you should make probably 90% of the time. Yeah, that's just wild. Um, in 1987, uh, number seven, Ohio State ties uh, LSU, uh, number four, LSU in Death Valley. Yes. Can we just pause for a moment and praise God for the end of the tie? I mean, I know it still occurs in NFL football during the regular season, but rarely, rarely um, yes. does it occur. Uh, yes. But uh, yeah, still still occurs in soccer, I believe. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, um, yes. It's it's so emotionally unsatisfying. Yeah. Uh, doesn't occur. <clears throat> doesn't occur in hockey anymore. Um, yeah. They got rid of Wait, it. In... Did they in the regular season? Yeah, they got rid of it in the regular season. Okay. They do shootouts now. That's um, right. Trying to think. NBA, certainly no. Uh, NFL, rarely. Um, baseball, no. Um, anyway, uh, 1988, Soviet Union throwers sweep the medals in the hammer throw at the Seoul Olympics. Sergei uh, Litneva, uh <laughs> wins the gold with an Olympic record of 84.8 meters ahead of teammates Yuri Sitaka and Jury Tom. I assume all these guys were eventually outlawed for doping of some kind. Uh, uh, maybe they were never caught, but I mean, come on. It, it's the Soviets. It was the 80s. Yeah, yeah. I, I just don't trust I don't trust anything Soviet from the 80s um, no. or Soviet period. Like, like I, yeah. I just don't trust it. Um, yeah. Um, uh, in 1997, Seattle Mariner Ken Griffey Jr. hits his 56th home run of 1997 yeah what I, I i'm not keeping track like who leads the majors in home runs right now and what what are they at yeah so it's matt olson of the braves he's on my fantasy team that's why i know that off the top of my head uh, but i can give it to you real quick he is at for this season 53 53 okay. home runs so he hit he hit quite a few all right and there's what, like one, one week left of the regular season? Yeah, there's a week left. There's a week left. So, okay. um, and Ken Griffey Jr., as far as I know, has stayed out of any sort of uh, steroid conversation whatsoever. So that's a that's a true fifty six. Did you say senior uh, or junior? Junior. Okay. Yeah, junior. Not not that senior that I'm aware of has also had any issues. Yeah. But... Yeah. <clears throat> but that was the same season, I believe. McGuire and Sosa uh, were you know, knocking on 70. Oh, was it? That could be close. And uh, because it was the three of them were sort of tied for a while. And then Sosa and McGuire went up. But uh, yeah, yeah. I I mean, that's a true, um, true close to 60 for Ken Griffey. Yeah, for sure. For sure. 
All right. So who do you like out of that list, John? It wasn't the uh, the most robust options uh, for this day in sports history. I mean, despite not knowing the team that Ed Rulebach threw against, I think Ed <laughs> Rulebach may take this. Uh, yeah. Uh, becomes doubleheader shutouts as a pitcher. Yeah. I mean, it's th- that's something that is utterly inconceivable today. Like, yes, completely inconceivable in modern day baseball. There was a relief pitcher that threw relief innings in both doubleheaders. And that was wild this year. Like you, you would have thought, you know, uh, somebody turned, uh, you, know, you know, somebody performed a miracle on the field. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. so, yeah, the fact that he started both games and pitched complete games is, is pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go with that. All right. One thing you liked. Uh, this week I was on the road and at the last minute uh, attended a Reds game with uh, Stephen Ohio. Yeah. So joined Stephen Ohio uh, at uh, with his family at uh, the Cincinnati Reds game. Unfortunately, they lost to the Twins in uh, what was a very exciting game. But uh, but yeah, great great game. A lot yeah, of fun. So was Holly there as well? What about Kyle and? Um... Hannah. No, not Hannah. Um, yeah, yeah, Hannah. Yeah. yeah, they were all there. Pax was there uh, as okay. well. Little Pax, nice. Grant, nice. all of them. Uh, not oh, Chase, Grant. obviously. Right. But um, yeah, yeah, it was with, with, with all of them. It was Excellent. a good time. Yeah, Excellent. Pax and I don't get along. He sees me and, and starts crying. So <laughs> we have some things to work on. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I saw him yeah. a few times while I was out there and not pleased. Yeah, yeah. Not pleased with me. That, that's a that's a tough job you got there, John. I, I remember you sending me the picture from your seats, like behind home plate, right? Yeah, I mean, it was um, maybe a quarter of the way up the stadium. Yeah. So, yeah. but uh, but had some lovely food there as well. It was great. Nice. Nice. So I'm going to go with. Um, so last night here in Indy, uh, there was a live event for the Happy Rant podcast and uh uh it was the um it was the very last episode they are shutting the podcast down after 10 years of recording episodes i think they're up to like 460 somewhere okay so we'll catch them uh (laughs) we've got a ways to go um but um yeah, so live event. It was good to good to experience that. Uh, I actually got to talk to each of them b- briefly during the breaks, um, and um, yeah, I mean, the, it, for those who don't know, that was one of the inspirations for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's remarkable that they did it for ten years. Uh, I don't know that you and I will get to ten years, John. No, no, but we're at how many years are we at now? Are we just this completing? Is, we're finishing our fourth. Yeah, so I guess we'd have to go eight or nine years to get to four hundred, right? Um, well, yeah, we'd have to go. We'd have to get to eight or nine, I think, to get there. Yeah, that may be too long. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but uh, fun live event, um, and then they do a Q and A at the as as part of those and so i did uh i did ask a question during the q a so uh we can what was your question 
uh, I asked each of them, um, the only Barnabas and, and Ted responded, but uh, I asked them to uh, talk about a, a college or seminary professor who made a difference in their life and what was it about them that made that difference in their hmm. life. So, uh, yeah, good event. Um, you know, nice to be around uh, that and just, you know, kind of sad in the sense of I've been listening to that podcast for many years now and, um, you know, it just kind of becomes part of your regular rhythm of, yeah, you know, dipping into their, uh, of them being part of your life in some way. So, um, but yeah, it was a good event. And so glad I was able to go with that. My son, John went with me and oh, fun, uh, a lot of fun. So, all right. Well, John, we better wrap this up. Yeah. I'm, I, I, you know, I, I actually have to earn my keep here at the gospel coalition <laughs> conference. So, uh, I speak later this afternoon, um, which by the time this drops, it will have been yesterday. So, and you're just making it up, right? You're just winging this. Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 You know me, John, yes. <laughs> I'm always off the cuff. Right. Um, but if you happen to be in Indy for the gospel coalition and listen to this in time, uh, you can see me around the conference. It's, uh, I'm doing a book signing. Can you believe this? A book oh, signing, John. At the gospel coalition. That's at the gospel that's coalition, next level. Yeah. That's next yeah. level for sure. Yeah. That'll be Tuesday afternoon. So after this episode drops, so if you catch it early and then you're like, man, I, I have to get to Indy to, to go to Doc's book signing, you know, that there's still time. Yep. <laughs> all right we have talked nfl and college football props to ohio state for their big win we have talked knowledge we have talked ed rulebach we have talked a reds baseball game and we have talked the happy rant live podcast event and so i think by definition we have covered our various and sundry topics. And so all that's left to say is until next time, the Lord bless y'all real good. Later. Later.